Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. I was born November 8th, 1989. I was an 80s kid, is what I like to say, okay? Right there at the tail end of the 80s. And um, so if you don't know my birthday, you can write it down now. I do expect a gift. Now, November 8th, 1989, I was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, Bay State Medical Center. And um, I was, I was, but I, when I was in my mother's womb, I actually lived in Alabama. I lived in Fort Benning. And, uh, oh no, that was in Georgia. I, I don't know what part of Alabama they lived in, but either way, I was there for a part of it. And uh, Sweet Home, Alabama. And I was there, and then we, I was born in Springfield and um, grew up in Holyoke, Massachusetts. My dad was a cop there. We, I uh, got saved at a young age um, at Pioneer Valley Baptist Church, a small church in Westfield, Massachusetts. Went to the Christian Academy there, had a little Christian school there in the basement of that church. It was probably like 25, 30 students. I was one of those weird kind of p- private school kids. And uh, I'm still trying to shed some of that off now. But um, then we uh, actually, before I got, got saved at 9, 10 years old, we lived in Germany for a bit too. Uh, my dad was in the military, and he just retired probably about a, 9, 10 years ago. But we lived uh, in Germany for a bit. I remember small pockets of that. I was probably 4 or 5 years old at that time. We moved back to Massachusetts and uh, went to high school, Christian high school, and felt God working on my life to preach as a teenager at a youth conference in Michigan, and, and uh, man, all these crazy stories, and uh, I have an older brother, a younger sister, and uh, some of you met my younger sister, she's been up to visit the church a few times, and then I graduated and went to school, uh, to, to small seminary in California uh, for a few semesters, came back got married uh, to my high school sweetheart. I've, I know, I've known Marissa since I was like 11, 12 years old. And uh, so we ended up getting engaged in between some semesters. And then we got married. And then we had little Donald. And right after we had little Donald, uh, little Donald's not that little anymore. He's going to be 13 in June. Uh, then we moved to Michigan. I had a job opportunity to be a full-time paid staff youth pastor at a church in Michigan working for my former youth pastor. So he was my youth pastor growing up, and then he took a church, and I got to work for him. And we were there about seven years, and, uh, and then God brought us back here and, uh, and, uh, uh, to, to plant Coastline Baptist Church. And, uh, and here we are, getting ready to start five years. I could spend hours and hours talking about the almost 35 years of life that I've been on this earth. And that's really, some people are like, that's not that much. I understand, but there's still a lot. I could talk a lot about the things I've been able to experience here and what God's taught me in just my life. And what's crazy is that that 35 years and however long I do live, whether it's 60, 70, 80, 90 years, however long it is, my life is really only a fraction in time. It's just a fraction It's a tiny speck, almost unseen compared with eternity. My life. I am going to die one day, and so will you. And the truth is, and I'm not saying this to be, you know, morbid or to be pessimistic or to be a jerk, but in a hundred years, no one may remember me. A hundred years, no one may remember you. And and it may seem like we're very insignificant people, like not that important. Think about it. In a hundred years, my kids and kids and kids, let's say 200 years, Donald Savini Sr. may not even be remembered. You know, I, I hate to say, I don't know a lot about my great-great-grandparents. 
<laughs> anything. Some people like that. I don't, I don't know anything about it. And we may seem like insignificant people and ask the question, you know, do I even matter? Do I even matter? And the scriptures tell us, and God tells us from his word, that yes, you do. The book of Psalms says uh, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made by God. We're important to him. Uh, David asked, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God sees us. He, he knows the number of our hairs on our head. God knows us. He sees us. He loves us. And we are important to him. The scriptures say in Ephesians that we're his workmanship. We're his work of art. That is who we are. And although my life is so minuscule, and your life is so minuscule in the grand scheme of things, my life and your life is a big deal to God. I hope you believe that this morning. Your life, no matter your past, no matter uh, what you're going through right now, no matter how unimportant you feel, your life is a big deal to God. So much so that He speaks to us. The creator of the universe, God, almighty God that we just sang about, speaks to you and me. He gave us his word, this love letter from God to us. He gave us his word. He allows us, we have the privilege to pray, to talk to him. He, he gives you uh, preachers and people that can preach the gospel and be a messenger from God to, to give you the truth of the word of God. He, he, he speaks to you. We're talking our series this year and our theme is this is our God. We talked about the God of beginnings uh, last week and today we're talking about the God who speaks. The God who speaks. God has a word for each one of us today. God has something he wants to say to you. He's the God who speaks. We're going to look at Acts chapter 8. Look where God spoke to a man. Where God spoke to someone and his life was changed. Let's get a little bit of context first. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to start reading in verse uh, 1. And uh, we see it here. This is the life of Philip. The life of Philip. Here in this passage, beginning of Acts chapter 8, uh, we see it starts off by saying, And Saul was consenting unto his death. What death are you talking about? What are we talking about? In chapter 7 of Acts chapter 8, we know that Stephen, who was a preacher of the gospel, he preached Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had already come and lived a perfect life. The Son of God, who was God and had died on the cross, had risen again, had ascended to the Father. And now there were uh, missionaries and preachers in this old uh, New Testament times here, preaching the gospel, and they were being killed for it. Stephen was stoned to death for preaching the gospel. And Saul here, we see in chapter 8 and verse 1, this is Saul who, in the next chapter, is going to become Paul. Paul the apostle, who wrote most of the New Testament. But this is before he met Jesus. And when it says he was consenting unto his death, it's saying that Saul approved heavily that Stephen was killed. He was right there when it happened, and was like, yeah, we get, he thought he was doing a good work, but he wasn't. It goes on, at that time, in verse 1, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. We see in these first few verses the persecution of the church. 
People preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ like I'm doing today. But back then it was, man, they weren't really supposed to be doing that. And the Pharisees and the leaders were, were arresting them. And Saul, who was not yet an apostle, who was not yet a preacher of the gospel, was says, making havoc of the church. He, he, uh, Stephen had just been stoned, but that didn't stop the gospel. We see in verse 4, the next scripture, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So as persecution is upon the church, as people are arresting these Christians and these preachers, and people are getting killed uh, for preaching the gospel, all they're scattered abroad. They're, they're, they're all kind of going different directions, trying to stay safe, and they continue to preach the word. We see not just the persecution of the church in Acts chapter 8, we see the continued preaching of Christ. Instead of giving up and hiding, hiding out, they went everywhere and preached the gospel. We see in verse number 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Philip goes to this town of Samaria preaching Christ. In verse number 6, we see this happen. And the people with one accord in Samaria where Philip's preaching, Gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. We see not just the persecution of the church in the first few chapters. We see the preaching of Christ in the next few verses. And then in these verses, we see the power of the gospel in this city, in Samaria. With one accord they received. Almost the whole town believing crowds, listening to Philip preach the gospel and believing. We see miracles happening. The whole city. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if the majority of Cape Cod turned to Jesus Christ? That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be like almost, it would be miraculous. If it wasn't just a small pocket here and there, but every person that you came into contact with believed on Jesus, trusted in his, for him for salvation, that would be amazing. And that's what's happening here in Samaria. Christ is bringing joy to this city. There was great joy in that city. We see God using Philip. Here's Philip. He's having great success in serving God, in preaching the gospel. He's kept safe from this persecution. Remember all the believers were scattered abroad? He's safe. He's in this city. Most of the people there have believed in Christ. What a great place to be. Many are saved and baptized, added to the church. This dream job for anybody that wants ministry. Imagine going to a city, planting a church, everybody believes. That would be so awesome. And Philip is experiencing this. He's like, man, this is awesome. Everything's going his way, it seems. And he's doing it with the right heart. Not doing it selfishly or pridefully. He's just preaching Christ. And God is blessing. But then life changed for Philip. Has it happened to you before? Things seem to be going really Good on the up and up, and then suddenly, boom, something happens, and life, your life just gets completely derailed, it seems, and things change. God spoke to Philip, and we're going to watch how he responded to the voice of God. We're talking about the God who speaks, and the same God who spoke to Philip in this passage, and spoke to people all throughout the scriptures, is the same God who speaks to you, who speaks to me. So how should we respond to the voice of God? Let's look at when God spoke to Philip. 
So Philip is in Samaria. Remember, he's preaching. Everybody's believing. This is great. The dream job. He's not being persecuted. And suddenly, in verse 26, God says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So God says, Hey, Phil, okay, I know things are going great for you. Man, everybody's believing. You're in Samaria. Man, this is awesome. You're like a celebrity. Everybody, you're doing great. Everybody's listening to you. I want you to kind of leave this really comfy position here, and I want you to go to the desert. Now, that didn't sound that fun. If I'm Philip, I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave my dream job for the desert. But how did Philip respond to the voice of God? Look at verse 27. And he arose and went. He arose and went. How did Philip respond to the voice of God? I'll tell you how. He responded with no restraints. He responded, number one, with no restraints. Nothing stopped him from obeying God. Not the dream job there in Samaria where everybody's believing. Uh, not his safety from persecution while he was in Samaria. Man, he, he was doing all right. Nothing, nothing. God said, go, and he let nothing hold him back. Church, I want to live my life responding to the voice of God with no restraints. And I know the world, and, and other people may use that, that phrase kind of in a wicked, like, no, I'm living my life with no restraints, which means they kind of do whatever they want. I'm talking about it in a spiritual sense. I'm talking about, like, I'm not, I don't want to let anything hold me back from listening to the, and obeying the voice of God. When it comes to God's voice, nothing can stop me. That's the way I want to live. That's the way I want to respond. We allow things to hold us back. I don't know if you've ever had a dog and you've had to, maybe they, they're outside, and they have, a, it's very rare now, everybody mostly has fenced in yards, but you know the old thing with the dog with the chain so that he doesn't run off, and he's kind of sleeping by, you know, his doghouse, and then he sees a squirrel, and he runs, 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 and then that chain, kind of the light, he forgets it's on there, and when he gets, it kind of gets yanked back there, that is how we live sometimes. We, we, we say, man, God's speaking in my life and, and God's calling me to greater things and God's calling me to bigger things and, and I want to follow him. So we begin following God and taking steps of faith uh, and sometimes steps of risk, it seems, risky faith and, and dangerous faith and we're trusting God and saying, I can't wait to see what he does. But there's things in our lives that hold us back. The closer we get to what God wants us to do, we suddenly begin to realize that we're allowing things to hold us back from serving God, from giving him our all. Maybe it's your job that you've allowed to kind of consume your life. It's holding you back from doing the things God wants you to do. Maybe it's money or the desire for money. Maybe that's why you work so much because you really, really love having a lot of money. I like having a lot of money. I, I, listen, I, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable. But I can't let... Listen, I wouldn't be a church planner if I, if, I, <laughs> if I really, really wanted lots and lots of money. We allow things to hold us back. Maybe relationships relationships in your life that are holding you back from doing what God wants you to do. Maybe it's sin in your life, an addiction that you're allowing to hold you back from taping, taking those positive steps toward God and toward His will for your life. Maybe it's even, and, and listen, I'm going to say it, sometimes we even allow family. Thank God for the families that He gives us. But sometimes we allow family to hold us back from doing what God wants. Where, where, where family almost becomes an idol, a God in our life. 
It's a fine line there. Listen, even good things can become bad things if they keep you from the best thing. Think about that, church. Even good things can become bad things if they keep you from the best thing. A job is a good thing. Family is a great thing. Money is not a bad thing. I know the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, but money in and of itself is not a sin. Just a dollar bill is not something, oh, say whatever. No, no, no. Money's not a bad thing. Relationships in life are not bad things. But even good things can become bad things if they keep you from the best thing. And what is the best thing? What is the best thing? It's Jesus Christ in your life. That is the best thing. I promise you, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've been through. And I don't mean that in a way of like, I, don't, I have no sympathy. I'm talking about like, it doesn't matter what you have faced, what you're going through. I don't have to know your history and your story to know the truth. And the truth is that Jesus is the best thing for you. He's the best thing for your life. He's the best thing for your marriage. He's the best thing in your parenting. He's the best thing for you to be a good employee. Jesus Christ is the best thing. And anything, even good things, can become bad things if they keep me from the best thing. And that's Jesus Christ. I want to live my life and respond to the voice of God with no restraints. Nothing holding me back. It's an old hymn we used to sing at the end of every service in the churches that I grew up in. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. No restraints. Let's move on. Verse 27. He responded to the voice of God with no restraints. Verse 27 we see, he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? How else did Philip respond to the voice of God? We see Philip here, he gets to the desert. Hey, here I am, God. I did what you wanted. What do I do now? I'm in the middle of the desert. And wouldn't you know that God had someone there for Philip to meet? By the way, when God does call you to something, um, just wait, because he's got someone there for you. He's not just wasting time. God's not a time waster. I can be a time waster, but God is not a time waster. When God moves us or, or does things in our lives and changes things up a bit, there's always a purpose. We may not see it immediately. I have no doubt that Philip, on his journey to the desert, is like, man, Samaria was going really good. A lot of people were believing, and, 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 and the church was growing. And, you know, and then he gets to the desert. And I don't, he gets to the desert. I don't know how long he stood there and waited, but he probably was like, man, what, what's going on? There's not, it's the desert. Nobody lives in the desert. But there was somebody there waiting. Didn't know they were waiting, but they were waiting for Philip. And he sees this man, this very wealthy man, in charge of the treasure of the Ethiopians here. And, and he's sitting in his chariot, and he's reading the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. And God says, hey, I want you, now that you're here, Philip, you see that guy over there uh, in his chariot? I want you to go to him. I'm not going to tell you what to do when you get there. <laughs> I'm just telling you to just go and kind of, you know, get, it, get in his chariot with him. 
Like, that's, that's kind of a weird request. If I'm Philip, I'm like, Lord, okay, like, I really trust you. I just saw you do a lot of great things in Samaria. But now I'm in the desert. I see someone. I have no idea who he is. He's sitting in his chariot, minding his own business, reading. You want me to just run over to him and, and just get in the chariot? But what does Philip do? In verse 30, we see, I love how the scriptures say it. Verse 30, and Philip ran. He ran. How else? did Philip respond to the voice of God? Not just with no restraint, but with no hesitations. No hesitations. God said, hey, see that chariot over there? I want you to go and sit with that guy. And Philip doesn't say, well, you know, Lord, that's kind of odd. Like, that's kind of awkward. It's kind of uncomfortable. I don't want to bother him. I don't want to annoy him. Well, let me just pray about it for a minute. No, Philip goes. No hesitation. Runs to this guy. He didn't wait. So oftentimes, and I've been guilty of this too, it's like someone asks if we can do something, we serve in a ministry or help with something, you're like, well, let me just pray about it a little bit. Let me pray about it. Which in, in sometimes in Christian, Christianese, Christian words, that means like, I don't really want to do that. So that's, that's the, the safest excuse. I'm just going to pray about it. Can you drive me to the airport tomorrow? Let me pray about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 no. Philip didn't wait. He didn't pray about it. God told him. He didn't even walk. He ran to this guy. No second thoughts, immediate obedience in church, church, church. I want to live like Philip. I want to respond to the voice of God with no hesitations. When God said, Donald, I want you to go to California for college. I, 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 I remember doubting it so much. And then I went and God said, I want you to go to Michigan. God opened this door for us and we went. And then God said, I want you to leave your stable job in Michigan and go plant a church in the Cape. And there was so much excitement about that with our family being here and with the, the prospect of being able to do something like that. But there was still some nervousness. But guess what? We went. We went. I wish I could say that every time God has called me to do something, sometimes in the big things, it's easier to obey that voice quickly, especially if you're looking for a change. But it's in the small stuff when God says, hey, see that person uh, um, next to you uh, uh, at work? I want you to invite them to church. You're like, well, I don't think they like church. Well, I just, you know, I, uh, and we just, we kind of, it's kind of mumbo jumbo. Oh, and God says, hey, see that, you know, the, the Starbucks barista? I want you to give her an invitation. You get coffee here almost every day. You know, give her an invitation. And you're like, but, you know, what if they spit in my coffee? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's like anything we can say. It's the small things often that we just, we don't listen to the voice of God quickly. We, we kind of dance around it. You've got a coupon that you're just dying to use, like a free, oh man, last year, it was amazing, best day of my life almost, besides my wedding day and the birth of my children. I was at Dunkin', okay, I pulled into Dunkin' after dropping the kids off at school, and it's the one in West Yarmouth right by, right by us actually, it's right up the road by the water park, and I always would get a coffee there, you know, it's just easy to get through, right by the Emmy Smalls, and I pull in and there's like a party there, there's like banners and tables set up in the parking lot. There's a guy dressed up like a donut dancing around and, and a coffee cup, Dunk, the Dunkin' coffee cup. And I'm like just getting the drive through and uh, there's a guy handing out stuff. He goes, hey man, you're number 77. I'm like, cool, what does that mean? He's like, you get free coffee for a year. I'm like, yo, bro, yes, this is great. I pulled over. I'm like, I'm getting out, man. I go up, I get a picture with the donut and the coffee. I'm like, this is great, man. And then they're like, hey, spin the wheel here. You might win a prize. I'm like, sure. I spun the wheel, won a prize. 
want some sunglasses. Then there's the radio station there. I can't remember what radio station, one of the big radio stations. And they're like, hey, man, like, come over and you can uh, uh, spin the wheel here and you might win um, a T-shirt and then a chance to win $25 gift card at Amazon. I'm like, well, I'm having a lucky day so far. I won the T-shirt. I won it. And then an hour later, I get a call from the radio host. Hey, you won the gift card. I'm like, ah, this is the best day of my life. It's amazing. The coffee coupons that I got, you get, it's really not like you can go in seven days a week and get free coffee. That would be, be awesome, but that's not what it was. It was four coffees a month, which were free for a year, which is actually still a great deal. I mean, that's goodness gracious, over a year. And they give you like, not just a year, but like three extra months. So it's really like 15 months, four coffees a month free. But they're pretty they're sticklers. Like they have like the January and the December and everything else. And recently I, I, I went and I tried, I'm like, maybe I can use my December one. I, I forgot to use my last December one. Maybe they won't pay attention. Maybe they won't see it. But I forgot that it's 2024, and when they scan the barcode, it's automatic. It's not like they have to look at the date. Oh, this is expired. The computer does it for them. So I tried to use it, and I missed out on one of my free coffees. Thank you. It was very sad, actually. I was very disappointed. I had to use one of my January ones. I didn't want to. So, um, but, but you have a coupon you want to use, and the expert, you don't check the expiration date, and it's too late, and you miss out. And you're like, oh, that stinks. How much more important is it when God is calling us to do something, God is pushing us to do something, maybe it is something big, but maybe it's something small, like, hey, reach out to that person, and you push it off and push it off, and that person gets another job. I don't want to miss what God has. I don't want to miss what God has for me, how he wants to use my life. Are you hesitating in your obedience to God? Are you trying to justify the waiting? Are you trying to justify the, the no? Like, Lord, no, I don't think this is right. Are you trying to justify it? The longer you wait, the more chance you have of missing the voice of God and, and missing what he has for you. Listen, whether that's the calling of God, I'm not going to stand up here and act like God doesn't call, people to, doesn't call men to preach anymore. I remember growing up, I was in a lot of churches and youth conferences where they really pushed it. God's calling you to preach. And a lot of kids got up and said, I think I'm called to preach. And they really weren't. I'm not saying that, that that's how we should do things. But it would be crazy to think that God does not lead young men and, men and older men alike. Say, hey, I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to, to preach. doesn't mean you're a pastor of a church. But maybe God wants you to do something like that. Maybe God wants you to do that. And God is calling you. And he's been calling you for years and saying, I want you to do this. And you push it off and say, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't like being in front of people. I don't like talking to people about that kind of stuff. It makes me uncomfortable. What are you waiting on? Maybe it's family in your life that doesn't know Christ and God wants to use you to give them the gospel, not shoving it down their throat, but just in love, speaking truth in love like the scriptures say, and just little seeds here and there, planting seeds of the gospel, and you're waiting. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's serving here in a ministry at Coastline. Man, we need all the help we can get all across the board here. And you're like, well, I know, but Sundays are really busy and things like that. And I don't know if I can always be there. And we just, you hesitate when God has a reason. God has purpose for your life, whether it's to serve here at the church in a, in a more uh, uh, involved way or reaching out to family or friends with the gospel. What are we waiting for? The longer you wait to obey God's voice, the harder it becomes to obey God's voice. The longer you wait to obey God's voice, the harder it becomes to obey God's voice. Because you get so used to saying no, that in a, in a way, like, it becomes your new truth. Well, I'm just not supposed to do that. You've said no so many times, it gets easier and easier to say no to the Spirit of God's voice in your life. Stop waiting 
for the right time to take the plunge and do what God's calling you. Just do it when he says, no hesitations. The time is now. The time is now to obey the voice of God in your life. What is he calling you to do? What is he telling you to do? What is he pushing you in love and grace to do? No hesitations. No hesitations. And lastly this, verse 30. He listened to the voice of God and responded to the voice of God with no restraints, with no hesitations. In verse 30, we see this. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou reading? Because do, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, and he said, the man said, How can I accept some man should guide me? Now that's a great opportunity for ministry. I wish everybody that I talked to would be like, I would love to know more about this. Please explain, Pastor. That doesn't happen as much. But sometimes it does. And the guy says, how can I accept someone should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was, was this. This is the passage in Isaiah that this guy was reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip, and, uh, answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or some other man? So he's reading this passage in Isaiah, which is a direct uh, foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. It's, it, this passage in Isaiah is, is, a, is a prophecy of Jesus coming to earth and dying. A, a lamb led to the slaughter. God, Jesus is the lamb of God, uh, the scriptures say, and he was led and died on the cross, and it says he opened not his mouth. He didn't answer them. He didn't answer his accusers. It's talk, this, this past in the Old Testament is talking about Jesus, and this guy reading, it's like, who is this talking about? Like, just an am amazing how God led Philip at that time to this desert where this guy was sitting, reading that specific chapter in Isaiah, how God put it all together. For Philip to be there when he says, what, am I, what is this talking about? Who is this talking about? Is Isaiah talking about himself or some other guy? And look what it says in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him who? Who? Jesus. He preached unto him Jesus. I love that. I love that. The perfect time. Oh, think about it, church. Just think about it in your life for just a minute. All the pieces that God's put together for your life. The person that he brought you. Maybe you're married. How he brought you together. Your children. Your job. Your co-workers. I can look around this room. My wife and I were talking about it on Friday night after small group. On the phone. She's driving back. And we're talking about how God has brought people to our church. And how he has brought people to our church. And the miraculous way. How we can't get any of the credit for it. How it was God that ordained it all. And, and how he puts us in specific places for a certain time. So we can accomplish his will. It's just amazing. It's amazing. Verse 36, we see that um, after Philip preaches Jesus, and as they went on the way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Like, hey, here's water. Can I get baptized? And it says in verse 37, Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So we see that God used Philip when he obeyed. 
Philip went. He didn't wait. He didn't let anything hold him back. He didn't wait, and, and he had no hesitations. And he gets there. The guy's waiting for him. He doesn't even realize it. He's reading a passage. Philip explains it to him, preaches Jesus to him. They get to water. Philip says, if you believe in Jesus Christ uh, with all your heart, then thou mayest. The guy gets baptized. And when the guys come up out of the water, um, miraculously and supernaturally, God takes Philip just out of that place, disappears. I don't know exactly how it happened. The eunuch looks around and says, hey, he's gone. But he just goes on and rejoices anyway. And then Philip's continuing to preach. It's amazing. So how did Philip respond? How do I believe Philip responded to the voice of God at the end of all this? Like when Philip says, I listened to God. I left my dream job in Samaria. I went to the desert. Look what God has done. I believe when Philip responded to the voice of God in the way that he did, he lived with no regrets. No regrets to how he responded to the voice of God with no restraint, with no hesitations. I don't believe he regretted leaving Samaria. Maybe in the moment he was like, God, what are you doing right now? It doesn't feel right. I don't believe he regretted though after God used him to help that man. I don't believe he regretted give, uh, going to the desert and, and running to that guy and jumping in his chariot. I don't think he regretted that. God led him there, and then he led him away again. He brought him to the desert, he accomplished what he wanted to, and then he brought him somewhere else, and he continues to preach. We see the new convert, this guy that got baptized, going on his way, rejoicing, and Philip keeps on preaching. Church, I want to live my life and respond to the voice of God with no regrets, not looking back and saying, I wish I had listened to God. I wish I had obeyed his voice in my life. I wish I had done what he wanted me to do. I don't want to say that I wish I had followed him. Could you imagine if we were in Michigan and, and, and working our job with a house and all these different things, and when God began to push us towards the cave, we just were like, yeah, but we got a really good job. We're really reaching these teenagers here in Michigan. I mean, God's blessing, and he was. Our youth group was growing. I finally felt like I knew what I was doing after four, five, six years, and I'm like, this is the perfect time to continue on and see what God's going to do. We have our house. Our kids are growing up. They have friends. I, I have some, uh, you know, I, I'm in the community and involved in the community, and God was blessing our lives here in Michigan. And if we had just said, no, man, this God, but we're serving you here, and we're serving you well here. If we just hadn't listened to him, we wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be here today. It's God. I don't want to say I wish I had obeyed this call. I wish I had witnessed to that person or given the gospel to them. I wish I had reached out to that person and, and loved on them. I wish I had been more faithful. We'll always say, I understand, all of us, because of our human nature, we'll, we're all going to face God one day and think, man, I wish I had done a little bit more. But at the same time, I want to get to a point when I say, you know what? Every time I listened to God, he blessed. Every time I obeyed the voice of God, he, he blessed. I, I, I can honestly look back on all the times, all the things he's done in our lives and say, I don't have any regrets. It's been tough. It's been challenging. It hasn't been easy. But I have no regrets for the times I listen to God. We all have regrets. But you will never regret choosing God. Think about that. I, none of us can say, I've lived my life with zero regrets. I think we all have regrets. I have regrets about things I've chosen to do in my life. But I've never regretted following God. Never. Never. This doesn't mean it's been easy. It doesn't mean it hasn't been, has it had its fair share of challenges and, and even darkness sometimes and it feels like silence from God where I don't know what's going on. I have regrets, yes, but I've never regretted choosing God. And you will never regret choosing God. This morning, some of you need to make the choice that you're going to choose God. 
that you're going to choose him. That you're going to rest in him. That you're going to believe on him. That you're going to give him your heart. We all have regrets. We've all done things we wish we hadn't done. But I promise you, every time you choose God, every time you put God first in your life, every time you make Him and His house and His word a priority in your life, you will not regret it. I promise you that. I'm living proof of that. Every time I've chosen me first and my selfishness and my desires and my wants, man, there's so much that I can look back and regret that. But every time, every time, Justin, I've been on that path and that mountain's there and I've decided to climb it, I've not regretted that. Every time I've decided to put God first and given him my life and my heart, I've not regretted it because he brings peace and he brings joy and he gives miracles. We all have regrets, yes, but you'll never regret choosing God. So when God speaks to you, and maybe he is speaking to you right now, and he's convicting you, saying, I've been, I'm telling you, I, this is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to talk to. This, this is who I want you to give to God. This is, I've been telling you to invite that person. I've been telling you to serve in this ministry. I've been telling you to get more involved. I've been telling you to talk to your boss about, about making sure you can be at church. I've been telling you to do this, and God has been speaking to you, and you're just kind of pushing it off. You don't want to make waves. May we live. May we respond to the voice of God with no restraints. Nothing holding us back. Because we know that when we obey God and listen to Him, blessing follows. Peace follows. I'm not, nothing's holding me back. No hesitation. I'm not waiting any longer. I'm not waiting another second. I'm, 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 I'm obeying. I'm listening. I'm following. And I promise you live like that. You will live with no regrets when it comes to following God. Because He will never let you down. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your home. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.